we are, Abe. Cast Iron Brains, a podcast that we invented twice, first in 2009, neither virtue nor vice, mostly just asinine. We read Twitter all day, endless hate and outrage. It feeds something inside, can't seem to disengage. Hot takes and depraved trolls, deep fakes and worthless polls, the rumors, the subtweets, the journos on woke beats. Matters not where you go. There's that creep, Andy No, and Nicole Hannah-Jones all right there in your phone. Empathy for a fee. Promoted GoFundMes. The canceled and the doxxed. The explainers from Vox. Some celebs sing a song. No, that's not what we meant when we said we must all get along. Not like that. Sex workers, freelancers, thought leaders, creators of GIFs and YouTube clips, and oh, the meme makers. Oh, the memes, 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 memes. Hardly tell what they mean. Nonsense in the extreme. There's no meaning to glean. If there's one thing I hate, it's the memes, 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 memes. From Substack to Quillette, New Yorker, Atlantic, Slate and Drudge, Vice and HuffPo, the links come so frantic. There's no getting away from these things in your pockets. Be much better if you gourd your eyes from their sockets. You click and you pull, nothing to break your fall. Maybe a network lull or a blessed paywall. The feeds keep refreshing, the news is enmeshing, its claws tween each synapse. Blearily you unlock that which has you in hock, on the verge of total collapse. Toss the phone, just smash it. It's smoothing your brains. Against the wall, it explodes. You're free, grab the reins. But tomorrow, you'll forget, filled with FOMO and regret. Plug in the old one, the one with the cracked screen. Boot it up, tap your pin, safely logged in again. The brain iron has you, neath its warm, friendly press. Don't fight it, it loves you. It's what we call progress. My name is Bob. Sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host, that's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here too. How are you doing, Lori? I'm good. I don't know if doing an homage to Eminem on Women's Day is such a good idea. That was not an homage to Eminem. How dare you? <laughs> it was. <laughs> that was certainly not that. That was Dr. Seuss through and through. You were, Laurie, you're able to spot that he was doing something early. Good eye, good eye. I cannot believe that the reaction to that is that it was an homage to Eminem. I think if you reread it, you'll see that your meter is very Eminem. That was anapestic tetrameter. That's what that was. That was Seussian meter. Maybe it's just your delivery then. Your angsty, your angsty <laughs> delivery. <laughs> I liked it, whatever it was. Today is Monday, March 8th, 2021. Long day today, long day. The, uh, <laughs> the, kids, the kids were back in school. Last week, we took the week off of the podcast last week. I was, I was feeling ambivalent about recording last week, so we skipped it. And part of it was that I was not looking forward to the next two weeks of my personal life, which was that the kids basically had the week off except for some like computer time first thing in the morning. And then I was just watching them when they didn't really have teachers to lead them. Right. And that was leading into this week with the expanded school day. So we used to start at nine 30 in the morning. Now we have to start at eight in the morning and go until two 30, which is a not insignificant uh, change to our situation. Was this planned all along to, 
Well, it's just that none the, of it so was the, planned all along. The schools have reopened, like in person. When you say reopen, you mean like in right. person? So in person learning is available for the people who chose that, and something like two thirds, or seventy percent or so of our school children went back to school, leaving approximately like twenty or thirty kids per grade level still at home, and that includes my kids and the kids who've been coming okay. uh, to our house. And so they have to match up. So the hours have to match up or something. For gotcha. equity okay. reasons. They can't have the kids in person get an hour and a half more school right. than the kids at home. Even okay. if that would be better. So the teacher is teaching to the students in the classroom and... No. So the no, they're not, not doing here. that. I've seen that they're, they're doing that in some, loca- some, some localities. But here it's... If you are a virtual teacher, you are only a virtual teacher. And if you gotcha. are an in-person okay. teacher, you are only an in-person teacher. So. That sounds like it would make more sense than... Yeah. It does for us for now. Yeah. It just makes for a, a longer day. But there's only like 12 or 13 more weeks of school. So we can we can power through that. We can do no anything problem. for 12 or 13 weeks. Yeah. And you, you guys are uh, planning on just keeping it this way until next school season? Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of the boat that we're in, is we just make it to the end of the school year, and then if shit's not back to normal next fall, like I'm... We're somewhat normal. I don't know. Like this, this, It just would not be acceptable for there not to be a good plan in place to have all children in school all the time by next fall. Right. But I whatever. Mean, this uh, thing will be over Memorial Day. But if you can't get all of the Dr. Seuss books out of the library between now and the middle of next August, uh, <laughs> I don't know what the problem is. Abe, you're not familiar with the work of Dr. Seuss, are you? I'm I'm familiar with this person in a general sense, but I didn't grow up reading any of his stuff. I, I take it it's very popular, right, from what I gather? Very yes, popular. Yeah, it's very popular. It's great. The person is um, dead, right? Just uh, yeah, I can get dead. off this ignorance. Okay. He's dead. This is actually right up our alley just in terms of – because it's also a question of copyright and what should be done with dead artists' works and how long the estate should get to control the work of the person who is long dead. Oh, uh, we had this discussion yeah. before, right? We did. We have had almost exactly this discussion before. And what's interesting about the – Dr. Seuss conversation over the last couple of weeks. They allowed the Cat in the Hat movie to get made, and it was awful. And there's nothing more awful than that. I did see the Cat in the Hat movie in theaters back back when uh, I believed Mike Myers could do literally no wrong. That there was your big Mike Myers fan. Of course, the Austin Powers movies, the Wayne's World movies, Cat in the Hat, Cat in the Hat. (laughs) This is where the is it canceled dialogue becomes just entirely to say that it wasn't absurd already is probably to misstate the case, but talking about this as though they've canceled Dr. Seuss, which is the way that a lot of people on the right have been talking about it is pretty ridiculous. Who is the, they in this context? My understanding is that the people that run the estate made the decision to remove those books. Is that not correct? No, that's exactly They're correct. They're not publishing them anymore. Right. So They're not going the pe- in and removing books. Okay. So the interesting part... So, so one interesting element of that is that eBay delisted a bunch of the 
auctions on their site for these six books. So naturally, as soon as all the Dr. Seuss books get banned, everybody rushes to eBay and sees what they can get for the various unpublished Dr. Seuss books. And uh, apparently eBay decides that they're not going to allow that, which is a really bizarre decision well, to make if you're eBay. What's the argument there? They don't want to facilitate hate or some random... That only argument? assholes will buy them? Right. That seems to be like, is that the... We don't want to sell to the people who would currently be buying Dr. Seuss books? Like, that's where it gets interesting and weird and bad, is when now you have a third party coming in and saying... We're not going to allow you to participate on our platform because you're selling something that until 15 minutes ago, most people hadn't thought for two right. seconds was problematic at all. Yeah, that part doesn't or make sense. because I, a book that until five minutes ago was $8 is now going to go for $10 million. Like, fuck off. Who's, right, who should be told I, to fuck off here? I'm confused about what you're saying. Both the seller and the buyer. Like, if I have a copy... So you're of, for what eBay is doing here? They should just delist that auction? As always, I'm not for or against things. I'm just trying to see both sides of everything. I don't like conflict. Going back to the original issue, the they is the people th that do the Dr. Seuss. All of the people are, who are making all of these Dr. Seuss books be top sellers on Amazon, who do they think they're sticking it to? I don't think that they're sticking it to anyone. It, I think they think they're doing the right thing. Well, because the perception is not that the Dr. Seuss estate chose of their own natural volition to simply say, we're not so sure about these anymore, so we're going to cease publication of them. I think that what's going on there is people imagine that the the woke mob is completely out of control and is secretly pulling the strings of the Seuss estate to make sure that these bad things don't go out into the world anymore. Okay, so there were six books. A parents person wrote a lot of these things, right? And six were called into question, and they're just not going to continue to publish them. Are they saying that just as a general principle, you should never do that? You should never look back and say, you know what, maybe this was off color, so to speak? or this There's was no actual nuanced principle at stake here. It's just that on the one side, you have people who get to scream, you're canceling my childhood and you're ruining America and what the fuck is wrong with you? And on the other side, you get to say, well, you're just a bunch of racist hicks and what's your problem? And it's just a perfect moment in the culture war that has managed to hang on for basically the last two weeks, which is impressive. Okay, so I, I just sent both of Lori and you, Bob, th this comic is circulating online, and it's purported to be made by Dr. Seuss early on. I'm not sure how accurate that yeah. is. No, it probably was. So He did a lot of stuff. He did a lot of, like, anti-war, anti—like, he's Jewish, so he hated Nazis. Right. So I'm sure this is not even in question, like, this particular— comic because it's exceptionally objectionable, right? It's not like the examples yeah. for the six books that they're referring to. Nobody would make the argument today that this should be removed, right? So they're not making a, a, a merit-based argument with those six books in question. They're just saying, I grew up on Dr. Seuss and how dare you? It's just like a general... I think, I think part of the problem is that there doesn't appear to have been any room for conversation in the way that you want it to happen, right? So right. especially, like, so there's a couple of the books 
which have more clear examples of like it would be hard to excise that which is offensive from it without fundamentally changing what's going on in the book. And so maybe it's best if we just stop publishing it. But there's another couple of the books where like just the use of the word Eskimo was enough to get the entire book pulled. Like, like an Eskimo, like there are still a majority of people in this country who don't even know that you're not supposed to say Eskimo any longer. Including me. Uh, when I lived in Canada, we had this uh, CFL league, a, a, a shittier version to the NFL, but it was Canadian, so whatever. One of the teams, uh, maybe it's like the Redskins, uh, but they were called the Edmonton Eskimos, a great team. Right. I don't know if they're, they're still – I haven't followed CFL in many, many years. a lot like the Redskins or the Indians or the so, Braves. Okay. So Eskimos is right, – But I don't think that Eskimo was – it was not inherently – a racial slur until people started using it in such a way. I don't. But I don't that, know that for sure. But, but it became derogatory also, to an extent in the culture, and so we're trying to phase it out. Right, but any word, if you use it in such a way, it, it becomes derogatory, right? Like if people keep on using it as a pejorative, and is that the case? I never heard. I mean, right? I don't know. I've never heard I it unleashed think, as an I insult think either. With Eskimo, I could be really wrong. I could have just been making this up. I think Eskimo is like Cherokee. Like, I think it was a tribe of people or is okay. a tribe of people. But to say all Native Americans are Cherokee is just plainly wrong. They're not. Right. So I think it's that. I think it's not that it was offensive. It's just that it was wrong. And then maybe in the Pacific Northwest where there's a higher concentration of that ancestry, maybe it became more derogatory. I don't yeah. know. But that's I think should... that that's what it is. I think it's too specific. Okay. So people didn't want you to refer to at all, like Inuit is what we're supposed to say now, right? Right. Yeah. I think they didn't want you to call all Inuit people Eskimos. Sure. I mean, is whatever. It... It's also sort of beside <laughs> the point, but. Maybe, maybe that should be the plan. H have terminology that expires. That way there's not enough time for people to. Make a mess of it. So for the next four uh, usually months, usually it expires because you die. So it's probably not a good plan. <laughs> yeah, none of the six books are particularly popular. There's only They're one not of them. That good. There's one of them that is near and dear to the hearts of a lot of like creative types. And to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street. No, the one about no? writing. Um, but whatever the. The weird thing is is that I, I do think that the Sousa State did this out of some sort of perceived fear of the mob eventually coming for them. Like, so, so to an extent, the, the idiots on the right are sort of – they have a bone to pick here, I think, and they're sort of able to latch on to something that's actually true. So basically they're being proactive. They're like, let's get in front of this. Inevitably, they'll come for us and it'll right, look like that we – But that said, like what is, what is the right – somebody who considers themselves of that persuasion, what do they want to happen here? They want a private company that owns the copyright of this work to be forced to publish in perpetuity? Right. And why? Like, if they weren't big moneymakers in the first place, which they obviously weren't, because I don't have any of them on my shelf, and I've had two children for the last, you know, going on almost a decade now, and they... 
like we get tons of gifts of books. I don't remember reading most of these from when I was a child. They just weren't popular books. Right. So they weren't huge money makers. So what what like what what are you saying that these people must be forced to continue to make this product that doesn't make any sense either? It seems like it's just a, people just reacting to that top line issue of like they're trying to cancel something or But that's what you just said, where the Sousa State or whoever is like, all right, maybe we should look over some things and reassess. Right. I think that's all people really want right. is yeah. for everybody to kind of look over some things and maybe reassess. Right. Except then you come out and you say, we're going to stop publishing these six books. It looks like a massive virtue signal. Well, but... If because it is. <laughs> but... but just because it's a virtue signal doesn't mean it's not virtuous. Sure, but it's also the case that, for example, the book that got shelved or unshelved or whatever, simply because it uses the word Eskimo, there could have been a workaround where that doesn't... Yeah, but then you're changing the book. That's not... To me, that's not better. See, but Seuss right. did that. Seuss... So Geisel himself actually made changes to his most offensive works in order to try to keep them uh, culturally relevant yeah, but before dead. he died. Right, but that's what estates do, is they are tasked with trying to maintain the artistic integrity of the work and, and making sure that it continues to stay relevant. And it's weird that they would instead choose simply uh, to pull the thing. Final take on the Dr. Seuss stuff is that it's stupid. Do you think this will cause other... Uh estates of famous works to do something similar because in a way they they've made money off this right just this brew because people reflexively are buying stuff no right? they're not making money they're not printing it no no but other yeah, other not those people. six but so but i guarantee you people have gone out and stocked up on all of their dr seuss wherever right. they can get it yeah, but that and they wouldn't have done it otherwise. of course it helps the publisher not i'm not talking about on the resale market i'm saying that because if you go out and you Google this stuff and you find out that actually the cat in the hat is deemed problematic in certain circles too, then yeah, people are going to go out and make sure that they have their copy of Cat what in the Hat before their, that gets canceled. What if the only canceled. copy they have also has Spanish? Then you're Don Jr. And when you take a photo of it, you make sure you cover the fact that it says in Spanish too on it with your hand. Anyway... The cat in the hat is apparently problematic because people have determined that the cat is coded black. No. I mean, I'm just telling you what no. they're saying out there. <laughs> Those people are wrong and crazy. And that's why the the cat only shows up when mom leaves for the day no. and the fish doesn't nope. want him there. Nope. And the cat has to skedaddle before mom yeah, gets back. Yeah, you know, fish not liking black people. <laughs> Typical fish. Typical talking, wise fish. I'm just saying, this is the sort of thing that drives sales because it's you're only one half step removed from finding out that that thing that you actually do care about also isn't acceptable. And it's just supremely stupid. So it's a good opportunity. So I ex expect other similar set scenarios to happen in the future. People will say... We're going right, well, it's way. also just it just makes the case that things should fall into the public domain more quickly, mm -hmm. one way or another. Or maybe everyone should just start buying all the books. Maybe this is a ploy by big book <laughs> to get people to buy paper again. Yeah, because Seuss then goes on to say, like 
eight of the top 10 books on Amazon were all Dr. Seuss books, and it's all because some of his old books were deemed offensive. So the, the move is obviously to get signed, get some publishing house. I guess it's all a ruse from the start, right. but you get some publisher in on your game, and you call your first book something wildly offensive, just a, a <laughs> racial slur followed by a, followed by a gender slur of some sort. And the public raises hell, and you get that book canceled. And then uh, what you've really done is you've primed the pump for book two, which That's is right. actually a book that you wrote. And now everybody's going to buy because your first book got canceled. That's like, right. That's or where you or make your money. Maybe in a slightly alternative reality, I am, as a woke consumer, am so proud of the Dr. Seuss estate for not publishing their bad books that it makes me want to buy more of the good books. That's right, but that's the, the genius of the plan. You it's get win, to win. win no matter what. It's, it's, it's a ploy my big book, I swear. Oh. All right, the I, libraries. A, a long time ago, back in 2009 or 2010, I had an idea for a segment of the show that we would call WGAS News, which was short for uh, uh, Who Gives a Shit News. <laughs> And I don't think we ever actually did it. I, don't I remember think you did. talking about it a number of times. But then I realized that the whole show could just be called <laughs> WGAS News. Back just then. A, a side note there's a better than 0% chance that there's a TV station called WGAS. <laughs> called WGAS. That should be their tag. <laughs> Who gives a shit? It's a way that hopefully maybe we can run through some recent headlines without spending too much time on any of them. And it's also a good way to cover the Biden administration in a small way without having to talk about the daily ins and outs. WGAS is a radio station broadcasting in a religious format. Licensed to South Gastonia, North Carolina, United States, the station is currently owned by Victory Christian Center. I wonder how much it would cost to get WGAS. From the Only fine, your soul. From the fine folks at Victory. <laughs> I would love to broadcast Who Gives a Shit News on WGAS. That would be great. Anyway, we didn't ever do it. And my feeling is that in this media environment, which maybe it's not now more than ever, but in, in my current estimation of things, the distinction between news and entertainment and and this is obviously a complaint that people have had since the dawn of certainly cable news, if not earlier. But the distinction between news and entertainment is just entirely gone. And the distinction between public and private is just entirely gone. And on top of all that, so much of the national conversation seems to be about things that just fundamentally don't matter to anyone. Like what, what is the, the, so much of the national conversation over the last two weeks was about that thing that we just spent 25 minutes talking about this stupid Dr. Seuss's state, not selling books that nobody fucking cared about anymore anyway. Right. And that, like, that's what we're talking, that, that's what makes headlines. That's what's so important because of the outrage and the clicks. Maybe it's because it's not important that people like talking about it. No, it's because it's simple. Because anything that's actually important is very complicated Compl right. and therefore boring. So stuff like this that you could just have a knee-jerk reaction to, that's easy. Right. And stuff where you know which side of the culture war you fall on long before 
you even get to the end of the headline, right? Like, right. Seuss canceled, and like all you like, you know exactly where you are in that conversation, even before you get to the end of the article. So we'll run through a couple headlines here and see if we can hit some who gives a shit kind of news, including uh, last week the House of Representatives passed. It's called HR one, which is effectively an updated voting rights act. And it passed without the support of, I don't think, any Republicans. Was that the one where there was one Republican vote, but it was an accident, and he cleaned it up after the fact? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know how much about this that you've read. A lot of it is a lot of these different states have been making news because state legislatures are passing increasingly restrictive voting access laws this session after Georgia as a reaction to the 2020 election, including yes, your home state of Georgia, which I think the biggest headline about that, that I've seen the one that made the most national news is they've, they're trying to eliminate early voting on Sundays. Right. And the read between the lines there is that a lot of the black churches do get out the vote efforts after mass on Sunday. I think they call it the soul to the polls. Right. And so that seems to be an all but explicit attempt to limit the impact of the black vote in the state of Georgia. And it's, like you said, it's not limited just to Georgia, but I am more familiar with Georgia. One thing I I never understood about these laws, ostensibly the idea behind it is that it's supposed to be to make it more secure. But not being able to vote on a Sunday or a few extra days of early voting— how does that go towards the integrity of the vote? Like, it, because they want the vote to be only rich white people. Right, but that's suppo- the integrity of the vote. Supposing that's true, they can't. Th- that can't be their position, right? So the position has to except be something. That, no, that explicitly is their at position. The Supreme Court last week oh, that was explicitly <laughs> their position, right? That was it. Is it an Arizona case? I think. Right. That but, was before the Supreme Court, and the guy was like. Like somebody, one of the justices asked him, so what's the reasoning for this? And the guy responded by saying, we do it this way because it makes it harder for Democrats to vote and we want Republicans to vote more and not Democrats. It was either that or the way I remember it was that it gives us a competitive advantage. For some absurd reason, it is accepted, right? The the argument that uh, they were making is an accepted position that so long as you're not targeting protected a protected class you can't come out and target black people or women or whatever but if you find something but else you can tar- to target but you can same- target them as a class of voter just not well, as an identity class right right so you can target them as someone who won't ever vote for you but not right. as because they're a woman or because right. they're a black right and so all of the integrity stuff just kind of seems to fall off because like for a while, they're trying to do like the – you need to have like a ID or something like that. At least you can, can say, well, that's for integrity You need integrity to have an ID that shows that you're white and yeah. rich <laughs> and Republican. That's, that's integrity. It. You're confused about what integrity means. Integrity just means Republican. Right. <laughs> but, I well, mean, the bills that they're pushing now, it is very obvious what the intent is. The other ones, at least they were trying to mask it, however poorly the mask was – at least they were trying. This one. So if what? so, so if you think that that is the case, that 
the bills being passed in various Republican-controlled states around the country are explicitly just trying to make it harder for Democrats to vote and easier for Republicans to vote. And probably as a downstream effect impacts because of who is in which constituency impacts minorities and women more than it would impact people who are not minorities or women. If that's your position on what's going on in Republican state houses, what do you think, is it fair to then turn around and say, as Republicans are doing now, that H.R. 1 is explicitly designed to make sure that the Democrats maintain control rather than simply making it easier for all to vote? Is there anything in H.R. 1 that says to you that this is a partisan move rather than simply being about expanding the franchise? What I would say is it is important how you achieve a win, right? So if you win when more people vote, then I think that's a legitimate way to go about it. If your strategy is to restrict or to reduce the number of opportunities there are for people to show up and vote because you think that gives you an advantage, I think that's that's not right. 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 I agree. Should- and I, I, I agree with you there. So but at the same time, I, I'm not in love with a lot of what this bill does, including primarily it mandates that the chief election official in each state, which in most cases would be the secretary of state. Right. Must establish automatic voter registration unless you intentionally opt out and like forcing people to be registered to vote strikes me as as strange it is and unnecessary yeah. i but never understood that how it's done in most other countries it's vote. done in some countries that way but not certainly not all and some countries it's make it mandatory for you to vote. no it's not compulsory voting so like in australia they they right. fine you if you don't show up and vote so there's compulsory uh, registration and compulsory voting and it's not the end of liberty in all of australia certainly but it also it is sort of fundamentally anti-American in in the way that I conceive of how most people understand what it is to be American to force you to go out and vote, especially in a system that is so like... Yeah, but they're not forcing you to vote. Fundamentally about choosing between a a douche and a turd sandwich, right? Yeah, but they're not forcing you to vote. They're forcing you to be allowed to vote. Yes, but... I I I am I'm still not a, because and the reason is because I think of citizenship as a duty rather than something that you just that you should be forced to do or compelled in some way to do um the the compulsion should come from your sense of duty to it's still country would. or duty to the collective if right you're but being just available right it's kind of like so another problematic opinion that I have when it comes to the voting stuff is that I have a lot of trouble getting past the idea that having a government issue ID is too great a hurdle for oh, people think, yeah. to be able to vote. It strikes me as a fight that is so entirely not worth fighting if you are a progressive or if you are a liberal. Like you're you're going to spend your energy on saying that nobody should have to have an ID when they go to the voting polls rather than expend your energy just making it easier for people to get government issue IDs or to get a voter ID card, right? I, I th- the, the, the biggest criticism I, I would have about a voter ID law is that it's a solution in search of a problem. Because again, where is the evidence that what is you're trying to fix something that 
there isn't a problem too, right? But you're right. It's such a a small hurdle to clear. I'm happy to fucking have a chip in me so I don't have to carry an ID. Right, but I don't so. – we, we don't have to be silly about it with chips and nonsense. Like in, every, in, in, in shitty non-advanced democracies, you see the people voting in Iraq for the first time, right? right? And they dip their hands in the ink right. and that way you know you can't vote twice, right? So maybe they don't have government-issued plastic IDs in their back pocket, but there's a way of – of keeping track of things, right. right? And it's not because there's potential for or or a guaranteed result is massive fraud if you don't watch out for massive fraud. But it's just not that big of a deal to say if you want to vote, if you want to be a citizen in that way, then get yourself a goddamn ID card. Right. Like it's it, just not that hard. And if it is in fact that hard in some communities for people to achieve that, then the progressives should be focusing their energy on making sure that everyone has an, a piece of government issue identification. Right. I, I think the one of the Georgia Republicans uh, made basically said, you know, what we could do is just so you can kind of avoid the poll tax accusation that you're you're needing this thing that costs money you know will have ids funded to where you can get it for free basically kind of lowering the the barrier but again right. like i said all if if this new thing right which shouldn't be too big big of an ask for for people right it's not that difficult to get but let's say it for whatever reason prevented twenty thousand people from voting in one cycle and you prevented one person from committing fraud, right? And you and you prevented one tenth of one percent of the of that amount of fraud from happening. Yeah, right, so sure. I understand that you're so you're operating from a point of real politic yeah. of not disingenuousness, right? right? But what I'm saying is that you can cut off like ninety percent of the Republicans' bullshit arguments by if you're a Democrat mandating voter ID, right? But you, don't you mandate voter ID. You say it's going to be super fucking easy to get that voter ID. Right. And then we don't have this fucking conversation ever again. On that you, issue You, you only take advantage though, right? of, the, of this bullshit moment in the Republican Party history where they're saying – they're still saying that this election was stolen. Or at the very least, there were, people have – people are raising questions about the election. <laughs> uh, you know, People of good faith are out there just not sure that the right person is president today because the – election was somehow compromised. So the Democrats should take advantage of that moment and say, okay, we, we disagree entirely with your premise, right? We, we don't think that there was any compromise, uh, meaningful compromise in the uh, election system in 2020. But at the same time, you're right. Millions of people seem to believe that. So let's go with the voter ID thing. And we're going to make it super fucking easy to get that voter ID. And now you can never raise that as an argument again. But they, again, I think if that were the only issue, then I could see that clearly this is part of a strategy to kind of depress the number of people who do go out to vote and you hope that there's more of them than there are of your people. Right, right but th gonna... that's the thing. As soon as you assent to their bullshit argument and say, okay, let's fix that, then, but no, but, but, then okay, they have so, to move the goalposts again, right? Right. So – it's not just a voter ID. It's you can vote by mail. Uh, all of those uh, drop-off boxes removed. Uh, limit the number of hours, the number of days. 
they're kind of trying to close all of the opportunities to vote. And and what I say is, you, as a state or as a federal government, you should provide voters the opportunity and the infrastructure to vote. After that, you have to want it. Like, so the, I, I would agree with you with the automatic registration and same day this. It's like, come on. It's not that difficult. If you want to right. vote, as long as you're provided with the opportunity and the infrastructure, and by, by that I mean you're not at a location where it takes you 10 hours to vote. I mean, that should not be allowed anywhere, right? You right. should be and able there to— shouldn't, There shouldn't be a county of three and a half million people in Texas where there's only one Dropbox right. location. Like, place right? like that, you're doing that on purpose. That way people could just say, fuck it. And maybe, I don't know why it's this way, but maybe they're just more fair-weather Democratic voters than there are— like, no matter what, and they don't seem to suffer the same outcomes in— the places where they vote, right? And what I'm saying, all I'm, and my only argument is that you can meet these people on their own bullshit field and play their stupid fucking game and win. But like you don't have to just you don't issue. have to automatically scream racism right. as the only defense to when when these sorts of arguments are made. You can treat them with the bullshit kid gloves that they deserve to be treated and still beat them. But you're not beating them though, right? Because like if you if you uh, concede that point. I mean, you would have to kind of make it part of a let's meet in the middle. Yes to this, but fuck you and all the other issues, right? So you should right. If yes, people- yes to yes to uh, voter ID requirements and no to eliminating drop boxes and mail in voting. Right, because at that point, if the issue of integrity, this supposed issue, right, then why not? the drop boxes why not the mail-in voting if you know for sure that joe schmo legal voter then what is your argument for all the other proposals you're making you just try right. to make it because ultimately to be- every single republican when given the chance is now saying out loud that the easier it is for everyone to vote the more votes we're going to lose Right. I mean, they're all saying that trump said it and now it's just become part of the party platform all up and down the ticket Moving on. Congress uh, is just about to pass. So it's gone from the House over to the Senate. Now it's going back to the House. The uh, $1.9 trillion rescue or stimulus plan or whatever they're calling it, which is going to send out $1,400 checks to the vast majority of Americans uh, among a whole long laundry wish list of other things that are being folded into this bill. And it looks like it's going to get none Republican support and be signed by Biden probably by the time this podcast comes out, Wednesday or Thursday. I would think this thing will be done. Uh, it's like the biggest or second biggest package of its kind in the so history we're at, of this what, country. Six trillion in all? I mean, we're rounding the corner on one year of this, right? So right. This We've is... apparently increased the money supply by roughly 50% since this whole thing <laughs> happened. Which is just staggering. So I guess we're gonna find out whether or not inflation's a thing, right? That's right. like it's all been an academic question up to this point. It won't be eighteen months from now whether or not uh, we got inflation or the Fed found some other way to somehow stave it off, because you'd think if the basics of economic reality apply here, that you can't just fill an economy with fifty percent more m- currency and not have there be some uh, negative externalities that that result. But I guess we'll see. The uh, 
only what? interesting thing about that, well, not the only interesting thing, because there's plenty of stuff in this bill that is largely bogus and probably shouldn't be included and should instead be kicked out into other legislation. But there's not going to be much other legislation that will pass. I mean, right, they just we just don't legislate anymore. It's this bizarre <laughs> thing. Right. Uh, they just don't pass laws. But the interesting one that got kicked to the curb was the minimum wage. And the with, minimum wage, as it was, is basically a five-year like on-ramp to fifteen dollars. It's, it's not fifteen dollars the day the president would have signed. It would have been by twenty twenty-five. Right. Well, that's how they always do it. When they did five fifteen, because when I first started work, it was five fifteen an hour, and then a couple years after that, they passed a law that would raise the minimum wage over the course of like. It was five, three, five, seven years, something like that, from yeah. five fifteen to seven twenty-five. Yeah, wasn't and that it was, six seventy-five yeah. or something? There were some goofy like thirty. Yeah, yeah it goes up slowly. Yeah, I'm surprised on this issue why there isn't some sort of. I mean, if fifteen is too disruptive for small businesses or whatever the argument is, they're just fine just leaving it as is. Going into the twenties, like this new decade, like just forever. Yeah, they It'll don't be... care. Because you would think that okay, fifteen is too much, or five years is too short of a window. Let's do it within ten. Like there was nothing. Basically, just like no. I mean, in this case, it was because of the parliamentarian saying that it just uh, didn't fit with the rules. Uh, Which but... is whatever. The rules are made up anyway. It doesn't <laughs> matter. That's true. They can just vote to change the rules. Like, right. It doesn't matter. Uh, but the, what's interesting to me is I think that there's a little bit less of an uproar about this because of how much government money has gone out into people's pockets in the last year, especially. That like ultimately, yeah, most of us agree that 725 isn't nearly enough money for an hour's worth of work and that that should be higher or pegged to some sort of timeline or inflation or something, right? That it's simply right, not good enough. Yeah. Yeah, seven twenty-five is no longer. I mean, it sounds kind of stupid, but it's no longer seven twenty-five. It's like it, right. It becomes less pot, literally yeah. every year, especially if you're dumping fifty percent more currency into the water uh, <laughs> yes. over the course of just twelve months. But that aside, like I think that there's this general sort of sense that ultimately the government will show up and take care of these people if they need taking care of, and that is probably born out of the fact that. We've received thousands upon thousands of dollars in just the last year uh, for for doing nothing, like, and they, they're raising the child tax credit. Our our income tax next year will be able to like each of our kids is worth an extra grand next year. Our our federal tax liability goes down by two thousand dollars next year, unless I misunderstand. You wouldn't know things. it by how hard they work. They're not worth anything. Right. <laughs> um, but the. I don't know. There's, there, there is a trade-off happening there, and I think that part of it is people just sort of get the impression that Americans aren't going to be left to starve in the streets. And there's that other underlying thing that is if you want something better than minimum wage, then you'll work hard and you'll, you'll get something better than minimum wage. Which, by the way, I think is an entirely bogus way of thinking. But. Right, right. I, I, I will say that going back to the issue of no Republican support It'll be interesting to see in future bills, like I don't know if they're going to in earnest push the infrastructure bill that's been four years in the – you know, every year during the Trump years, there was infrastructure week or trying to do something related to infrastructure. And it sounds like they're actually going to try to do that now if there will be 
Republican support? Because uh, I'm wondering if oh, there, they're just— There will absolutely not be Republican support. So they're trying You're to talking... repeat the, the, the Obama playbook of just we'll build our identity around just voting against whatever bill— If the Democrats are willing to pass $2 trillion bills that are just loaded with things that don't belong in a COVID relief bill, that have like within them obvious— but handouts and bribes to their own constituencies, then yeah, they don't fucking care to participate in that. But isn't that how it always worked? I mean, the last bill was full of nonsense, right? I mean, there was a, I think Senator Cotton was trying to make a big thing about money going to prisoners and this or that. The previous bill did similar things, right? And he voted for that. So well, sure, but it's less. It feels like less of an emergency now, and it's become more culture war than anything else. And also on, top on that, that front. I do think people's experience of this pandemic varies greatly. And so for some people, it just seems like this will probably feel like overkill. And for others, it'll be needed. And it's, you know, it'll be checks will be going out at the end of this month and it'll be, you know, they'll, they'll need that money when it comes. Right. So like people's right. experience is a bit different. So for some people, this is going to be a great help. And like you spoke to with the tax benefits for next year, uh, but for others are like, we just added what was it, three hundred some odd thousand jobs for February. Things look like they're kind of turning around. Businesses are opening up. Maybe we haven't even spent all the money from the last uh, bill that was passed in December. So right. it feels it feels less. Part of the reason is that it feels less important is because they didn't just fucking do it right away. And I know that we're only six, seven weeks into this administration, whatever we are. But if on if in week one they had just passed the two thousand dollar checks as as its own thing, right? Then that sense of emergency, that sense of uh, right. we're acting now because people are in trouble and we're getting it into their hands. Instead, this just feels six, seven weeks later like a bullshit uh pork filled uh, handout for Democratic constituencies, right? Instead of being that like emergency economic recovery act that they could have gotten off right away, right? That they ran on in January to win the Georgia Senate seats. If it, I mean, if it were just the checks, then they probably could get that passed, but they wouldn't have been able to get the vaccination funding and all the other school reopening funds and all of those other things that, that were tacked on. Do that on Thursday. So you, you can do one thing on Wednesday and then you can do something else on Thursday. No, but I'm saying, I like, don't know why we need to have you these. Can, you can do more when you, I mean, this is how all of these every year is the same thing, right? I feel like we have the way they basically, they leverage popular provisions and they tack on unpopular things. And every year yeah. when they pass these ridiculous bills, whether it's a tax cut or this or last year's CARES thing, there's a lot of nonsense in there. But yeah, I seem to I just be the don't, only I way just don't, I just pass. think in strictly in terms of political narrative that the Biden administration could have owned the $2,000 checks thing in a much more marketable way than they've managed to get to this point now where that $1,400 check is going to be tinged with a bunch of other nonsense that the Republicans have been allowed to have they've been allowed to taint it right and you could have avoided all of that just by doing a very quick and dirty emergency relief bill that did just the one thing right but whatever. but then you would have to sacrifice all the other things and they weren't willing to do that 
Maybe it's a it's a democratically controlled house. They can as, still, as we're it took six right, weeks to I'm go through a is If you want to do the thing, then you do the thing the next day, and right. then you that then if that's unpopular, fine. If you can't get any Republicans on it, fine. You're in the same position that you were in before, and you don't have anything that you can point to if you're Biden as saying I did what had to be done for the American people, and we did it with Republicans and Democrats on board. Do, do you think? And that's. Going for, I over think the that next that's month. meaningful to his brand. I think that that was his in, his entire selling point, right? And he's lo- he's losing that. You think so? Because right off the you bat, you would think I would be interested to see what the opinion polls are late March, early April. Because I would think that most people just don't care about how things happen. They see money going out. They see things happening. They see businesses open up, and they'll discredit the person in power. Yeah, right. Sure. So I don't think they're going to get any sort of negative. Yeah, if things get if things get better, it's better for Biden. Right. Yes. Number three, real quick. Uh, Biden administration released the U.S. intelligence assessment on the Khashoggi murder from a while back, basically saying that while Mohammed bin Salman did not personally wield the body dismemberment device, the the bone saws, and he didn't personally disembowel the Washington Post journalist and former U.S. resident. Uh, Jamal Khashoggi, he did uh, order the deed done, did and it, there's not a lot of question about that. And and there was not uh, – this was kind of the consensus opinion before even the report came out, right? That Right. There was, this was the consensus opinion right away, and then we <laughs> waited, and then there were leaks about how this is also still the consensus opinion. And then the Trump administration declined to make public any of the official documentation – about that because they were so tight with the regime. And then the Biden administration has come in and because they had promised to release whatever they found, they've done so. They have not acted in a, any meaningful way the, on that information. Right. I, I wonder what what would be the appropriate action to take in this setting when you have... He's not allowed to be your crown prince anymore, Saudi Arabia. And we, as... The civilized West, despite our all of our flaws, right? You, you think we're so innocent? You think we don't kill people? <laughs> right. Yeah, sure. But you know what we don't do? We don't have the president ordering the dismemberment of people that he doesn't like. In, Anymore. In embassies, <laughs> right? That's right? And we're not going to do business with you as a civilized Western society. If you want to sell to Iran, Saudi Arabia, if, if you want to sell to China and Russia and make that your alliance, so be it. But we will not do business with you anymore. You've spent generations now trying to, uh, concretize, to solidify your relationships in the West. And if MBS remains the next in line, then we simply won't do business with you anymore. You've had half a dozen or eight or ten crown princes in the past. Like, he wasn't always going to be the next king of Saudi Arabia. Right. There's no guarantee that he's going to be the next king of Saudi Arabia. I mean, he probably will be. Uh, He probably will be. That's probably the right answer, but do you think it's the practical answer? Do you think the United States would sever ties or at least leverage no they wouldn't sever ties we're as close with them as we are with anybody else on the planet but we're the united fucking (laughs) states of america we get to this like that's the advantage of being the big 
cocksucking asshole on the block is that you get to you get to play and interfere in the internal affairs of other countries, especially when they're assassinating journalists in other countries, in embassies in other countries. Like, it's insane. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, there is an argument to be made that, yeah, America, there's the soft power of, of your, you know, statements. But I, I don't know if if any administration, I can't imagine any administration would be willing to go there because they would obviously they would necessarily have to say, fuck off, America. Like, you're not going to dictate what we do, you know, internally. I disagree. I don't I don't think that they would. Also, is it possible as bad as uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, as I like to call them, because MBS, uh, if he, there's even worse shitheads in this family? Like, so, I mean, maybe it, it's worth finding it's out. It's always possible that there's yeah, somebody sure. worse. Yeah, sure. There's probably a worse shithead who could be the next crown prince. But importantly, he didn't order the murder right. and dismemberment right. of somebody he didn't like who was a journalist who worked for the Washington Post and was a U.S. resident. Like, it's just – it boggles my mind that there's not going to be – Yeah. That that doesn't end MBS's career right. as the future king of Saudi Arabia. That we'll be dealing with him for the next 50 years probably. Right. I will uh, – did he not? Maybe I got this wrong. Did he not, after ordering those people to do the things that they did on his behalf, sentence them? Did some he of not them to then death? just throw them immediately under the bus? Yes. <laughs> yes. They're all I mean, in jail or going to be killed. Right? I don't have any sympathy with the butcherers, but like, uh, boy, imagine being told to go kill for somebody and then they want to kill you now just to save face. I think that if you're told by someone to go kill someone else, you should expect to be killed true, after yeah. that. <laughs> You've seen movies. You know yeah, how some of them goes. should just be fair enough. <laughs> I suppose it's just my own uh, No, I think what you're saying is correct. Pathetic just, naivete. Right. But it just it just I don't get it. It's just such an easy win for it. Like, and it's not like it has to be America. It, right? it would be There's, not in any way easy. I'm not saying it would be easy, but if all of if NATO and yeah, America you, yeah. and the rest, like, it's not just Joe Biden dictating the succession line in Saudi Arabia. It can be the entire civilized world, right? right? If, if you they had have that the support. goods. On, if they have the goods on him, bring the goods and say, we're not going to deal with this guy anymore. It just, it makes me nuts. The Virginia legislature is sent death penalty abolition and marijuana legalization to the governor's desk. Hey, hey, that was my buddy's bill. Yes, that's true. The guy who married Lori's best friend. His the name guy is... who officiated Julia's wedding. No kidding. We went to high school with. He gave me a ride home once from school. Perfect gentleman wrote the death penalty. <laughs> so, obviously, I'm for both of these things the abolition of the death penalty in Virginia and also marijuana legalization. Real quick on the death penalty, I heard this framed in such a way that I'd never heard it framed before. And it, it was super obvious to me in retrospect, which is that a significant majority of the public is against the death penalty. So the, the majority of Americans are opposed to the death penalty. Okay. And a, a thing that happens in capital cases is that they have to eliminate anybody from that jury pool who does not believe that the state should be permitted to kill people because it unfairly biases right. the jury, right? 
So what that means is that no one can have a jury of their peers in an incredibly meaningful <laughs> way, right? Yeah. And that, like, in a, in a, a fundamental tenet of the entire stupid American system is that the law depends on that the authority of the government is derived from the consent of the governed, right? And that if you do not have the consent of the people, then you cannot lawfully do your job. And if the majority of the public is against the death penalty and you're striking the majority of the public from being able to participate in a jury pool in a capital case, then you're doing something that's fundamentally un-American. That's the, fundamentally opposed to the will of the people. I mean, I, I kind of, I, I mean, I get that, but... I understand so, the rule of law supersedes all, et cetera, no, et cetera. But, but so long as it's on the books, right? So this is a lawful option to kill somebody for whatever, right? And if you're in the jury, like you should be at least open to the. I mean, you're right. It does the 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 pool of jury jurors is very small when you get to a point where most people, let's say, I don't know what the number is, 65 percent. How many people are against? The death penalty, whatever it is, let's say there's 30 percent that are cool with it, then you you can only select from that small group of right. You, know, you peers. no longer have that law. No longer carries with it the force of the people. Right, and that but naturally, a, the, the so I, so I agree with what I think. What you're saying is that it is both the case that what I'm saying matters, but it's also the case that people who are fundamentally opposed to the death penalty probably shouldn't be on right juries. And, where it's a capital case, right? And in in this environment, the the remedy would be to abolish the death penalty, right? Right. So basically, right. if you get it to just, this it was just, point, it, where it was interesting to me because that I was a never, really fun logic problem we just did. I had it had never occurred to me to think of it in that way, and somebody on the radio framed it in that way, and it was really satisfying to have that click into place for me. Um, what what do you think is the last state to get rid of the death penalty? Like Texas? Texas. Texas. Don't be stupid. <laughs> I wonder if there's got to be like a dark horse, some random state that nobody pays. No, it's Texas. I don't know, does Idaho still have the death penalty? Because Idaho Probably, might be up there. But it's Texas. Yeah. They love killing people. Idaho is sneakily actually in between Mississippi and Alabama. I don't, I don't know if you've seen the updated map, but it's uh, not actually in the Pacific Northwest. It's... <laughs> It's actually in the deep south. Number five on my list here is just that Texas ends restrictions and that vaccines are going to be available for all adults by the end of May, according to the latest from uh, both Biden and Fauci. And end of others. May. Yeah, uh, what happens at the end of May? Curious. Curious. <laughs> my friends uh, accused me of uh, having insider information when like a month ago. I was, talking, I was like, no, nobody tells me anything. It was longer than a month ago. Yeah, or whatever it was. On the Texas ending their um, thing, I, I was looking at the TV once while they were talking about that story, and I was like, man, Texas is very reckless. But somebody on the news mentioned that Georgia's never had. Florida did it and in November. Right, so basically October. Texas was further ahead of us than we, right. we've never had it. It's it seems so dumb to me, and I know it's, it's a win. So dumb. It's a win for the governor because he can say that he's the one who's doing it. And no credit goes to Biden when inevitably things get better in a few months. But like there will be – so there will be spikes from the spring break that's happening in Florida. There will be spikes from what happened in Texas? Atlanta this weekend. There will be spikes from the opening up of things in it. Do in you think Texas. there will be a spike or it will just level yes. off? It won't go – No, I think it will, it's going to continue to go down. It will just stay 
No, you, you'll have a spike. You'll well, have a spike because people, even if you weren't lifting restrictions, but okay. people are going to go, oh, it's nice out. We're going to go hang outside and make out with each other. <laughs> like, so it's what they're going to do. Just kind of similar to the death penalty thing, right? So you have this very small group to, to choose from. All of these people that are out and about are the same people that have been out about all this time, right? Not necessarily. Because it's the same no. people. Well, but you just said that Atlanta. You said that Atlanta was as busy as yeah, you've ever seen it. Yeah, because people coming from other places, right? right. But when yeah, it's just- but a lot of people are hitting not just their breaking point, but because the end is so close. Right. It's like. And I, you I start to fall. If, it's like a senior slump. They're like, oh, whatever, I'll be fine. So uh, the governor of Texas, he makes this announcement. It was the same day that the Biden administration came out with uh, two months ahead of schedule. Instead of the vaccines being available by end of July, it'll be end of May. I wonder if that information was shared like in a governor's call. And like you were saying, Bob, he wanted to get ahead of any sort of Biden right. credit to say, open it up and go from there. It's just frustrating because he could have instead come out that day and say, look, everybody, I know this has sucked, but if we, can, if we can just power through the next eight or 10 weeks, we're going to be in really great shape. Right. But put a, put a date to the end of the mask mandate. Right. That's what's, yeah. Memorial that's what's day. driven me yeah. nuts about this all along <laughs> is, the, is the total failure of leadership to put meaningful brackets on when this is all happening and when it's going to and part of that is just a lack of information right yes 100 percent. but there should be no reason why we don't have a very clear idea of what school is going to look like in every state in the country when it when it comes to august and september and it's just like that's just a lack of leadership and un, an unwillingness to put your neck out even just a little and, bit and i think i mean part of the reason why is because they don't know what they don't know yet. So that's why they're always kind of like, maybe this, maybe yeah, but that. You but can I, I think if just set a target date, like Memorial Day, yeah. the, the 4th of July, just they, some They date do that all the time here. That, they have rules until a certain date. Right. And then a week before that date, the governor's like, I'm moving that farther. Right. And you keep and on then moving people it. Are like, yeah. ah. But like, at least it's a thing. Right. And at this point, no one's paying attention. It's like, uh, I think I've said this before, but. There's that old uh, Adam Carolla thing where he's like, if you tell somebody to start doing push-ups and they don't tell you how many push-ups, you're going to yeah, be less likely to do as many of them because you don't know. Yeah. Because you have not. But if you say do 15 push-ups, even if you can't do 15, you'll do as much as you can because you yeah. have a target number. And so right. just having some target would have done everyone a huge favor. But whatever the target number is, the CDC and the... HHS and all these people should know whatever the reasonable date is, Texas and Florida will be like a month early. Like, there's no way we're all 50 states are going to. Right. No. So you should that would be ridiculous. Yeah. But you, I mean, they have metrics yeah. per state. Did you see CDC finally came out with recommendations for people once they're vaccinated? Yeah. yeah. So basically, the, I, if you're vac- My mom can take the kids again. Mom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fully vaccinated and other fully vaccinated people, no problem. Fully vaccinated people and unvaccinated below risk, also no problem. But then yeah. don't they travel. They specifically said grandparents and grandchildren. Right. And the thing that has bothered me about that is that the only reason that that information hasn't come out before now seems to be politically motivated, right? And I and maybe maybe that's just seeing 
uh, machinations where there actually aren't any, and it's just the slowness of the bureaucracy or some or I mean, do, general do, trepidation. But but do you think that they, I don't the, think it's they've been comfortable enough to say this three, four, five months ago? Because I mean, at least now people no, have been vaccinated. You can kind of see the numbers fall off in certain groups. You know, like the I just I think that there's a there's a the failure to acknowledge that the vaccines are really going to help when I think that we've known all along that they're really going to help has probably made a significant number of people say, well, I'm just not going to bother. Right. And there's now a full third of Republicans who just say, I'm not going to get the vaccine. Like, which means that there's like a significant, and who knows, maybe again, they will. public polling is so bad. They will do and it. And that all they're doing is they're just telling the pollsters, what they think is going yep. to piss off the pollsters yes. or is going to pick, piss off the people who are going to be reading the polls later. It must That's exactly be what they're doing. exhausting to be putting on these performances to piss this person off. Or it's just like, come no, on. No, that's what they get off on. That's they literally exhausting nothing. It's, it's their favorite thing. <laughs> inject oh. it straight into my veins. <laughs> oh, it would give me a headache after a while. Holy shit. All right. That, that wraps up the WGAS newscast. Maybe someday that'll be a legitimate segment and I'll do some, uh, you know, special effect sounds or whatever. <laughs> That's For what now, the people want. We'll, we'll move on to the next segment. It's time to play a game. Ooh. This game is an old favorite. It's whack shit or wacky shit. It's getting late. It is. Well, we started late, but that's eh. that's life. I'll, we'll kill one of the other segments. I believe it or not, there are like three more segments planned for. I tonight, do believe but... it. I just believe you don't know how to be brief. We'll be brief, <laughs> Abe. Do you know what? If I say the letters NFT to you, do you know what NFT stands for? Mm. All right. Do you know what the word <laughs> non fungible token means? Oh, Does that this is like the ring stupid any bells? top shot thing. Yes. Okay, good. So you're you're at least familiar with the idea and you will get one at minimum of the whack shit or I'll wacky shit. Get them shits. all, Bob. Don't Correct. So an NFT or a non-fungible token is That sounds like a a South Park episode ready to be made with token somehow is involved. Is it like Katie's pink dinosaur? It's like Katie's special pink dinosaur if somebody had done something unique to it that made it different from all of the other hundreds of millions of small pink rubber eraser dinosaurs that are out there in the world. So if there was some way of identifying in the code of Katie's pink dinosaur that as a unique pink dinosaur that was special only to Katie, it would therefore become more valuable. Right, it would have value, yeah. And you'd be able to transfer it uh, and, and use it as a store of value, whereas now, because it's just one of a billion small pink dinosaurs, and it, it seems, doesn't actually have any value. And it seems like it doesn't matter what the psychologically damaged like, six-year-old daughter. Right. It doesn't matter what the product is. It could be anything. Like a highlight reel. If you're Right, for example. So a non-fungible token, it's a special type of cryptographic token, which represents something unique. And it is, it's connected to the blockchain because that's usually how or it's entirely how they do the unique identification but basically it's a it's a way of digitally signing something that makes it unique and non-fungible which means it cannot be easily exchanged for like items and this has opened up a thriving marketplace now 
Abe mentioned the top shot, so I'll just take that one off my list here. But I was going to ask you, Abe, is it whack shit or wacky shit that the National Basketball Association has partnered with a company that is selling uniquely identified highlights of like dunks and other sweet plays <laughs> for a total of so far $230 million. Yeah. And that is in the parlance of our game, whack shit because it's something that's actually happened right out there in the world. Okay. Not something that I made One up. One and know. All right. But I'd like to establish that that's fucking insane. So, so what's happening here <laughs> is that people are taking this company takes a highlight yeah. of, say, Steph Curry yeah, shooting hitting a, three. a uh, 36-foot three and then turning around and chomping on his mouth guard and running back to the other <laughs> side like the Steph Curry way that he does. And that becomes worth thousands of dollars. Yes. Because there was uh, a LeBron it's James— the same exact highlight that you can go on Twitter right. or Facebook or YouTube and watch a billion times for free, yes. but is worth now tens of thousands of dollars because it has a unique digital signature to it. Right, and it only makes sense to me when you consider the fact that it it's almost immaterial what it is, the product that you're transferring. Basically, this thing holds value— because it has a unique signature or whatever. And right, but it puts a lie to the entire fucking stupid game. Like, the, if the entire market <laughs> can be turned on its head simply because people are able to digitally unique, apply a unique digital signature to something and then just pour a bunch of money into it, right. which is a fundamental amoral thing to do. Like, it's, a, it's entirely divorced from any notion. Uh, like, I never want to hear again about how somebody is not going to spend their three fucking 99 at Chick-fil-A because of their, their shitty politics of Chick-fil-A. Right. And in the meantime, we're pouring a quarter of a billion dollars in four months. In, like, it's just started. Perhaps, and they've already poured $250 million now, into perhaps it. Perhaps this is like a bubble, right? Uh, all the speculation. Perhaps. Aren't they? Aren't, aren't they <laughs> but okay. As stupid as it is, you know, art, right? Let's say there's some stupid turd on a canvas, right? Um it could be duplicated. Somebody else can come up with the same thing, right? But they go out of their way to make sure that it's the original. And then that's the way that they signify its uniqueness. You know, they have all these stupid people with their, I don't know what they do to determine this is real and that's one is counterfeit. But if you can solve that problem, it doesn't matter. Like I always say, there's a lot of good art, don't get me wrong, but there's a lot of art that's traded around that's similar yeah. to this nonsense. Somebody just got high ones and just started sure. throwing paint it's on the canvas. It's just a way for rich people to store their money without right. having to store it as money. But I get it's important it, but that you can distinguish that million-dollar painting versus some counterfeit one. Aren't they doing a similar okay. thing? Not but to step on your the, ga the game, but aren't they doing something with tweets? Yeah, so you're stepping on my <laughs> game. But here, here we go. So, number one, is this whack shit or wacky shit? Is this an non-fungible token transaction for real or is this one that i have invented for the purposes of fooling you number number one jack dorsey's the founder of twitter jack dorsey's first tweet the first tweet ever on twitter was tweeted in march of 2006 it was march 21st so we're coming up on the 
15 year anniversary of the first tweet. Jeez, what a world. (laughs) Uh, Jack's first ever tweet and the first tweet ever on the platform was all lower caps, no punctuation. Just setting up my Twitter with Twitter spelled T-W-T-T-R. Not even making use of the full, uh, what was available to him at the time, 180 characters. Uh, That's the first tweet. Is that, I'm, I'm telling you right now, it is currently up for auction. Is it up for auction? Is it going to sell for over or under two and a half million dollars? Let's <laughs> let's change this to an over and under two and a half question, because because I'm just I'm going to say this is whack shit. I'm going to change the right, format right, right. of the game. Over or under? Not 2. even 5. close. Way under. Way. It's going to be over. Two and a half million dollars. Bidding bidding has already exceeded two and a half million dollars, Abe. And it will be seriously that for the non-fungible token of Jack Dorsey's first ever tweet. Number two. Oh for one, by the way. Uh, are you familiar with the GIF Nyan Cat? Or I don't know how exactly to say it. <laughs> I can't be right. Are you are you familiar with Nyan Cat, Abe? No. A neon cat? All right, so I will I will share my screen here so that you can see the original Neon Cat video. Hang on. Is this like some sort of Japanese animation? Because I want you to see this thing so that you can get a feel for how much it should be worth. And you can obviously go to the show notes. There you go. All right. <laughs> so that's Neon Cat. God damn it. A hundred and eighty-six million views. Holy shit! All right, so the original creator of Neon Cat. I'm gonna have to stop that. What is going no, on? Origi- that's a new scene. <laughs> original creator of Neon Cat. Uh, recently redid the GIF in HD. Okay, oh. so keep in mind this is now an HD product. It was redone. I'm going to set the over-under for Neon Cat at $750,000. Did the NFT of the Neon Cat GIF sell for over <laughs> or under $750,000? Nothing would surprise me anymore, but I'm going to stick to my unders. It's like that shoe thing. Way under. It is, in fact, under. It was $587,000. <laughs> Was spent to secure the rights for the ah, what a silly HD world. version of the Neon Cat Jeff. But $15,000 is too much. All right. Uh, Abe, you're familiar with the crying Jordan meme? Yes, where Michael Jordan cries. Yeah, the crying Jordan meme. Yeah. So, the original creator of the, because all of these things have creators, believe it or it's, not. Okay. As Nyan Cat does, there's the, there was, in fact, a first Crying Jordan meme out there in the world. Did the original Crying Jordan meme sell for $325,000? Uh, before I answer that, does Michael Jordan not get a piece of this? Like, you can be a meme? Interesting, interesting note. So one of the arguments for NFTs as an exchangeable medium of currency is that you can tie the original artist to it permanently, right? So Kings of Leon released an album 
uh, as an NFT. And I don't know if they did this or not, but for the purposes of this discussion, if Kings of Leon wanted to, they could sell it to someone for $100,000. Okay. And then demand or or put into the transaction that any future sales they would get a piece of okay. so that it becomes not only transferable, but in theory, an artist can continue to make money off of it each time that it's sold, right? right. So that's something that's arguably good for the artist and, and something that speaks in favor of this particular form of transaction. Okay. Under. Under, yeah, it's under because I made it up. The original Crying Jordan meme uh, has not yet sold okay. as an <laughs> NFT. Also, don't uh, worry about Michael Jordan. He has plenty of money. That's, right. It's a principle, Lord. All right, finally. He's doing okay. Uh, last Surviving. One, last week one here. Week to week, though. <laughs> that's there's right. A, there's something called Crypto Kitties. Now, Crypto Kitties are virtual pets, each with their own... Because uh, you remember maybe being in the the middle school cafeteria or the high school cafeteria, and maybe some friends would have, like, Tamagotchis. I'm not familiar with these them. little, like... Keychain sized they pets. They were eggs. They were they were like pets that were electronic. Oh. And you had to push the button to feed them, feed them and them. pet them and play with them and keep them alive. And your Tamagotchi could die if mm. you didn't take care of it. Never. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. The new generation of that is something called Virtual Kitty. And you can buy there NFT. There was Neopets before. Right. NFT Virtual Kitties. Could they also die? Presumably, yeah. Risk I don't investment. know. I did not participate no. in the sale of crypto kitties. But over or under the total sales of crypto kitties on the virtual marketplace for digital pets, $750,000. Hmm. You know, I'm going to stick with my under. Under. No, the answer is over. Well over $1 million of uh, crypto kitties Stupid. have been sold. <laughs> Two people who desperately, desperately don't know what the fuck else to do. So did all of this start six months ago? No. So the Crypto Kitties thing is actually one of the first examples of the NFT in action and goes back uh, to like 2017. Oh, okay. I think. But uh, it's been in the news lately because of the NBA stuff and because of Jack Dorsey's gotcha. tweet, which is up for auction. Anybody out there with a spare three or five million dollars can go out and bid on Jack Torsey's tweet. Or send it to us. That would be fine, too. I will issue you a uniquely coded pile of shit. That'd be just my DNA. There's no DNA like it anywhere else in the known galaxy. Don't give my DNA. It's got to be worth something. You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. Find the show at brainiron.com or Facebook and Twitter. Just search Cast Iron Brains. Opening and closing themes of the show were composed by Mark Gillig. Had another segment planned for tonight, but we didn't get started until late, and so we're going to save that for later. One less thing to start late for next week. Getting we're ready going to, to have. Do that. We're going to we're going to take Abe to philosophy class everybody. I've been inspired <laughs> by a recent experience with the school children where last week since we had all this extra time to kill, I did a classic philosophical thought experiment with a 
eight-year-old, a nine-year-old, and a couple of six-year-olds. And it went about how you would expect that sort of conversation to go. But it also gave Lori the idea that we should ask Abe these questions, <laughs> which is a really good idea. Abe, I don't think that you took an intro to philosophy class. I don't recall. Uh, he wouldn't recall if he did. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think I took intro to religion. I want something. But yeah. He yeah. doesn't know. Anyway, I think that'll be fun. We can do classic, uh, like philosophy 101. It is like the trolley ethical. problem kind of thing, or something. Yeah, like ethical yeah. and metaphysical uh, thought experiments with Abe, and that'll be that'll be a hoot. A tease. Don't do things to kill people to save people. Let the people die. So I got a I got a a real fun twist on the trolley problem for the modern day. Is it vaccines? Is it about vaccines? No, it's so there's. Three. No, no, no. Save it for later. No, 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 no. This is a joke. I can't actually do this. There's <laughs> <laughs> the classic trolley problem, right? Is that you've got a trolley going down a track and there's a split track. And one side of the track where it's going to go, if you don't act, five people are going to die, right. let's say, right? Because the trolley is going to run over those five people. Right. If instead you walk up and flip the switch, some other amount of people on the other track fewer than are five. going to die. So few yeah, fewer than 5. So can you make the utilitarian calculus decision? But you can also you could also say it's just 5 and 5 and is there some moral weight to one side or the other? But you, you have could no say other information. More, whatever, you can change for example, you could say that there are 3 black people Ooh. tied down on the track on this side. Did I tie them there the, or I just walked in on this? No, so the trolley is going to run over three black people and two women of color Yeah, on this side. But if you flip the switch, uh, 100 white people will be <laughs> slaughtered by this runaway <laughs> trolley. And how, in these modern times, should we answer that question? It's very easy. Don't kill people. You can't prevent okay. other people from dying, but you don't participate in it. You're saying you would just let... Sometimes the you people gotta, of color you gotta be die. Humble. You can only do so much as a person, right? But anyway, you don't we'll get actively to. participate in. We also forgot to talk about that movie. No, we haven't forgotten to talk about it. This is the time of the show in which we talk about what we're reading and watching these days. Uh, Abe, what are you reading? I uh, gave up on that other book. So right now I'm reading uh, The Things They Carry, which is a much better book. Some Vietnam thingy. I don't think I've read The Things They Carry. Yeah. It's good? Very good so far. I mean, it's about war, but other than that, it's good. You watch anything terrible recently? A lot of terrible things. Real quick, there's this terrible movie that I recommend no one watch. It's called Chaos Walking or Chaos Talking. But basically, it's Is like... Is that a, uh, like a feature film or a documentary? No, or no. It's like a feature mo film that apparently was four years in the making because it was garbage. It was like the Tom Holland guy from the Spider-Man and the, the lady from Star Wars. Basically, it's like men going their own way, like on a planet. They kill the women, and it's one of those movies. Very bad. It's no good? No. Very bad. Did you see that in the theater? Yes. I was like the only Are one. Are you still theater. seeing uh, movies in theaters by yourself, basically? Yes. A, a couple of weeks ago, I went to go see Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, on supposed IMAX, a f total fraud. The movie was good. What? It just... What was fraudulent
We watched a real piece of shit this weekend. It was called Persona. <laughs> That's right. I did. It was a a joint HBO and CNN production. Did you watch that? You watched I, that I too. I did. Didn't That's you? Uh, with uh, all the letters. Yeah. What did you think about that? It was not very good. You know, I would. Abe, have you ever taken one of those tests? I did. I, I would have got INTP. It, I, I would try to trick it by answering slightly differently, but it always uh, <laughs> sussed me out. The way I, 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 I thought for a moment, because I've seen like three or four either movies or TV shows that sucked, and I asked myself, like, am I just in a bad mood or are all of these things just garbage? <laughs> you know, because maybe. <laughs> I'm just not in the right state of mind, but I'm glad to hear that you guys also thought that this was not. Very oh good. yeah, it's it's. You can rely on me. <laughs> to, to say, yeah. Wait, if I you think, think this something sucks. sucks, unless unless it's something Bob has always loved. If it's something he's always loved, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it, right. and there's no possible way for there to be. But everything else sucks. And usually, I my like favorite most thing things. about that that stupid Persona movie is that we're watching it. And I am preternaturally, like, ahead of time biased against the people that this film ultimately wants me to have disdain for, which is the the, the stupid personality quiz makers, right? right? That, that you can somehow determine that all of humanity can be boiled down into, like, five different types of human. Right. You're either this thing or you're that thing, and you're not both things in equal measure or depending on the fucking time of day or what you had for breakfast that day, like, and what you're feeling that, like, it's all just pure fucking bogus nonsense. Right. And I've, I was prepared to be like, yeah, let's watch this thing and dump on this stupid thing that I've always hated. But you get like 45 minutes into that movie, and I realized, I hate them all. Like, I, like the, I despise the people that this movie wants me to despise. Right. And I despise the people that made this movie and the people that are being interviewed for this movie in equal measure. Yeah. And why does the universe continue to exist uh, is my question that I had about 50% of the way through that movie. But just like with the, just give a date, something to kind of wrap your head around. I think sometimes people like, oh, I'm a this type of person, this thing. For some reason, people can kind of wrap their head around. My favorite moment moment in that movie is when the writer, who is also, by the way, you find out when the credits roll, that the on-camera writer that they've been interviewing the whole time was also an executive producer of the fucking film. Yes, that that chick, the the main girl that they're talking to the whole time, the the dark-haired girl, uh, she's an executive producer on the film. They don't disclose that sort of stuff. They just... You would think, right? But apparently that doesn't matter anymore. They're probably counting on people like me who never watch the credits. Like, oh, the, the thing is over. I couldn't believe it. I, I, I know that's naive of me, but like, I, I, it's like finding out that the Jordan documentary was put together by Jordan people. But we all knew that right. going in, right. right? Like, Big propaganda. Anyway, my favorite part is when she goes, I went into researching the Myers-Briggs question Assuming that I would find out that two old white men put the thing together. Uh, but it turns out it was two stupid old white women instead. <laughs> I'm really going to like this movie. Um, anyway, don't watch that. Yeah. That's the new move by our podcast and larger blogging network is to right. only talk about things that no one should watch. Because there was that other one with uh, the hotel that was also another. Right, which somehow we talked about without you realizing that you had yeah. just seen it. Because <laughs> <laughs> the naming, I just, I remember there's that hotel movie, but you called it by its actual name, so. Right. Silly me. Abe, you, uh, 
You got anything else for us tonight? I do actually, Bob. Did you know, and this is true, that famous academic public intellectual and feminist Camille Paglia once said, I fail to see what is wrong with erotic fondling with any age. And from Wikipedia... In a 1997 Salon column, Paglia expressed the view that male pedophilia correlates with the heights of a civilization, stating, I have repeatedly protested the lynch mob hysteria that dogs the issue of man-boy love. Well, I guess that's all we've got for tonight, then, and we will talk to you next time. Later. Where did you get this? Am I reading factual things? watch uh wrestling right and they also had not not that wrestling is some sort of highbrow thing but there is a logic behind like leaning on stereotypes like they would have these characters who right are, like the terrorist guy <laughs> yeah like <laughs> some like iranian like uh, the sheik guy or like some ugandan guy like guy like some savage doesn't know anything i mean inappropriate but then when you're watching it Okay, that, that's that person, that's that character. <laughs> so what you're saying, Abe, is that racial stereotypes serve a purpose in certain settings. No, no, what I'm saying is I could see why people did hey, that now, back when in you're those walking days. down the street and you see a young gentleman with saggy pants, <laughs> do you allow the cultural narratives in your head to shortcut your judgment? And... No, because that's different. Totally different. Oh, oh. Just in an art, you know, you, you gotta. Art. The art of early WCW. <laughs> That's right. Anyway. You got anything else for us tonight? Okay, <laughs> just. <laughs> okay I do actually Bob <laughs> I'm not going to be able to do right. You can do it Alright I do actually Bob Did you know And this is true That Famous academic public intellectual and feminist Camille Paglia once said, I fail to see what is wrong with Iraq. <laughs> Let me read the whole thing in my head. <laughs> this is... Okay. All right. I'll play it straight. Okay. I do actually, Bob. There's no getting away from these things in your pockets. Be much better if you gourd your eyes from their sockets. <laughs>